what we've got here is failure to communicate. From sunny Southern California, we bring you Meet Bridget, a podcast for building confident communication and female badassery. We spotlight women who have bridged the gaps in their lives by building strong relationships and speaking their teenage dreams into reality of how this year has gone. I can't really like regret or think differently of my past Mm -hmm. decisions because I'm like, wow, everything has been in alignment. It is the perfect timing. I am supposed Mm -hmm. to be here right now. Welcome back to Meet Bridget, a show that sheds light on the often untold teenage and young adult stories of successful women from all types of backgrounds and in all sorts of careers. This show is an extension of Bridget, a confidence coaching service for young women. I'm Kishia Rosenberg, and I co-host this show alongside my best friend and Bridget founder, Asha Gabriel. Today, I am so excited to bring a woman who is both charismatic and kind, hilarious and humble, a natural leader and a dedicated hustler, Shania Kelly, to our show. Shania, or Naya as she's sometimes affectionately called, is a versatile and dynamic professional who's made an indelible mark on the music industry through her journey. Her debut to the music and entertainment industry started off in 2016 as a production assistant at Nick Cannon's entertainment company, Incredible, which quickly led to a role as an A&R, which stands for Artist and Repertoire Professional. Her capacity to spot emerging artists and hit songs has made her a highly sought-after talent scout within the industry. Among her most significant accomplishments is her contribution to the creation of iconic movie soundtracks for films like Avatar, The Way of Water, Spirited, featuring stars like Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Devotion, and They Clone Tyrone, just to name a few. She's had the privilege of collaborating with some of the most prominent artists in the music industry, such as Cardi B, Meg The Stallion, Shen C, and Mike Towers. Along the way, Shania's love for people and her infectious personality has led her to attend and cover fashion shows and events further cementing her status as a notable figure in the industry, and she herself has ventured into the world of fashion, where she launched her luxury swimwear company, Kelly Swim. Concurrently, she continues to thrive as a music exec while continuing to develop her brand. I'm so excited to have you on the show, Naya. Welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I must say, that was the best intro ever. Thank you so much. Um, It's such an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it makes me really happy for um, our listeners who, well, I don't actually think any of our listeners know this, but I've known you for over a decade now. So it's been a real honor and a pleasure just to watch you grow into your own success. So let's get started. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background, where you grew up, where you're from originally? Yeah, of course. So I'm Shania Kelly. I am from San Francisco, California. I moved to Los Angeles in 2012. And then I was in LA for a year and a half. And then I moved back to the Bay, finished school. Then I have officially been in LA since 2016. And yeah, I live in the Valley. It's now home. It certainly is. Um, It's hot right now. (laughs) What else is new? So tell us a little bit about like young Naya. Like what was life like growing up? Like do you have brothers and sisters? Are you close with your parents? Just give us a little background on, you know, foundational you. So honestly, young Naya is not much different than grown Naya. It's so funny. (laughs) Like I literally started talking when I was one year, before I was one, actually, my mom confirms. I'm not surprised about that at all. <laughs> yeah, one thing about me is I'm very social. I love to talk. I love communication. But yeah, like I said, not much different. I have a little brother. His name's Trey. He is my baby. I actually asked for him. Literally, when I was younger, I was like, Mom, these dolls are not going to cut it. I want a real baby that I could look after and change and take care of. So I was like, but I specifically want a little brother. I can be the only girl. And my little brother has lived with me for the last six years. Um, so, yeah, I am very protective. Uh, my family's everything to me. I've always been into fashion and being bossy. I didn't know I would ever be in the music industry but it's funny my aunt was just telling me a story when I was younger I was only like 
four or five and I was pretending to be on the phone with like Ja Rule and Mariah Carey and I'm like we gotta close this deal and it's just it's funny like looking at little Shania videos there's so much sass like I was like wow nothing's so much changed yes so I think when I met you because you're friends with my little sister also I like crack up hearing my baby Trey because Trey is the same age as my little brother David and they're not little they're 18 and 19 and they're like they're so grown up it's crazy but um I met you when you were probably like 13 I think and I remember asking you because I kind of had a little bit of knowledge of like what your dad did I remember asking you like oh what do you think you want to do like what direction do you want to go I don't know why I like was asking that because at the time like Bridget was not even like it wasn't even like on the horizon so just for our listeners I've always been this curious in this way um which is why Asha and I do what we do but I remember you saying like oh I'm not really sure but like I think that I'm going to be really successful (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like so you always (laughs) you always had this innate confidence and then like this big sister aura which I connected with you about because I'm the big sister and um you know I think you're six years older than Trey or eight years yeah about it's five and a half yeah so when you asked your mom to give you a little brother and that actually happened like what was it like being a big sister to this newborn little boy like what in your mind was like your role for him and how did you like act as his older sister Well, I really thought Trey was my baby. So I'm like, I'm responsible for everything. (laughs) You got the breastfeeding. But other than that, he's mine. (laughs) And it's so funny because I was so excited. And then he finally came. And after like the first week, I was like, can you return him? He's getting way too much attention. (laughs) And my mom's like, no, that's not how it works. And I was like, find the receipt. Like, it's time for him to go. Um, but luckily he was, you know, the boy. So that's what my parents reassured me. Like, it's okay. You're still the only girl. So I was like, all right, give him back. Um, but yeah, I just have always treated him. I mean, now he's actually 20. He's 20 this year. He is? Yeah. We held him back a year. Like, I, they do that in LA. So it was like, yeah. okay. Um, but yeah, now he's 20, but he's still my little baby. And oh um, yeah, our relationship has always been really, really tight. He's really like my best friend. Did you feel pressure either from yourself or from your parents to provide an example for him? Because, you know, our listeners don't know you like I do, but you're, you've always been very driven and always very self-assured, even if you didn't know what you wanted to do exactly at the time. I felt like you were never the type of person who was lost in terms of direction. You just, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. And as an older sister, I can see my siblings really looking to me as an example, which can sometimes be a lot, you know, it it, it puts this undue pressure on you. Did you ever feel that way with Trey? For sure. And it's funny and kind of sad because all the pressure came from me. Like, my mm-hmm. dad and my mom are both here alive and well and love Trey just as much as I do. But I'm like, no, he's mine. It's my job to be <laughs> this example. It's my job to make sure he's having fun and he's successful and he's protected. And, you know, like a lot of my friends and just like other associates are like, this is not your baby. This is not your responsibility. Because even times I wanted to move or just branch off to other things, I'm like, no, I my little brother. It's always always Trey. Like I have to get home to my brother. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like how I am in life too. And I, I've told this to my parents even growing up and when I was younger. Like, you don't even need to punish me because the punishment I'm gonna give myself is way worse than what you guys could do. I've <laughs> always been really hard on myself, and it, it's always just came from me. So in relates to being a big sister. The pressure has only stemmed from me, and it, it's a lot. Like, I feel yeah. completely responsible for him, and I really feel like, even though I didn't make him, I'm like, I asked for him, and that's why he's here. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's um, You're very accountable for your actions, and maybe it's a Scorpio thing, but I for remember sure. in college, because David was so much younger, he was 15 years younger, 
or 16 years younger than me. And I remember there were plenty of times in college where my counselor would literally be like, you can't like raise your own siblings. Like, what are you going to do? And I remember thinking about that. And I was like, I guess it's a very logical statement, but like, you don't get it. (laughs) I have to be here for my brothers and sister. And similarly, like my parents are here alive and well, and like, they are great parents. But There's something about that oldest sister role where you, for some of us, you just feel like you need to be really, really present. And it's great, but it's also, you know, has this double-edged sword side to it where, like, you're so hard on yourself. And then you also, it sounds like you've had moments where you're like, oh, I have to, like, get back to Trey or I have to, you know, do this for him. So when you were, like, kind of figuring out what you wanted to do or or I guess just in general in life do you feel like you've ever held yourself back because of that like from doing anything any experiences I'm like I was so stuck on your story and I was supposed to be like yes I can relate (laughs) so many people have told me that and it's definitely a Scorpio thing and I think the biggest thing that it stems from is we wish we had a big sister who would be there for us the way that we are there for our siblings Like, I never really, the saying, they have to learn on their own. And I'm like, no, if I could be there, Mm -hmm. if I could protect, I'm going to. regardless. And because we're older, I never looked at it like I was being held back because I'm like, his life is just as important, almost more important than mine because I got to live a little longer. So with that experience Mm -hmm. and with that wisdom, like, I want to be there for him and see which ways I can prevent things but specifically anything that's held me back life this year has been the most impactful one Uh, so because of that confirmation of how this year has gone I can't really like regret or think differently of my past Mm -hmm. decisions because I'm like wow I everything has been in alignment is the perfect timing I am supposed Mm -hmm. to be here right now. And so many people, countless people told me, like, it is not your job to raise your brother. You did not lay down and have him. You are not his parents. Your mom is there. Your dad is there. And naturally, I blocked it out. I'm like, I might have a little bit of selective hearing. But Mm -hmm. now to see the position that I'm in and then the ways and roads that I've opened for my brother And even just like the house that we're living in, I'm like, I'm so happy that I listened to myself. I didn't look at things like a missed opportunity because now Mm -hmm. more than ever, I feel like I'm in the right place, right time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. I love the the mindset of just not having major regrets. And this is something that I do as well, where I think back about, you know, the decisions that I've made or the way that life is going. And Obviously, life is, you know, there's ups, downs, and everything in between. But I think, you know, my perspective is just even when it's really, really hard or something doesn't quite go the way it's supposed to go, like I can't really like lean into that feeling of regret because then you lose the lesson. You lose like that opportunity to grow and to to gain anything from it. And I think you're so right. Like when you get to that bright patch, when you get to the space where you're like, this is where things are opening up. This is why I've worked so hard or I've done things the way that I've done them. You can see that opportunity starts to build upon itself and starts to build upon itself for the people that you love if that's important to you. It's funny. I also had a similar mindset growing up where I was like, oh, I had older cousins and I always wanted to have like an older brother, which, you know, you can't manifest an older brother (laughs) unfortunately like you can you can ask your parents for a younger one but there's no there's no going back so being that you're the oldest like who were your major role models like were you close with your parents did you you know follow your mom or your dad or like in either of their paths so my dad he's we've always had like a best friend relationship And we are undeniably so similar. And I I feel like a lot of that is genetics, but like literally same raspy voice, same attitude, so ready to like debate. Mm -hmm. So because of that and just how much I looked 
at him as like, oh my God, you are the best thing ever. I want to be just like you. I think naturally it was like that. But as far as role models go, honestly, all my friends and people closest to me that I feel like was most influential, they were about like six to 10, 15 years older than me. Like literally my grandma's friends, my mom's friends are like some of my closest friends. And just being around them and just having that love that they had for me, they taught me so much. And more of what not to be and what not to do more than anything, because I wouldn't say I have the best examples of like the people that I was around, but because of that, it showed me and taught me, okay, if you go down that path, this is the result of what's gonna happen. So a lot of the girls my dad dated taught me a lot of things. Um, and just the female association that he was around like in LA. And honestly, a lot of my best friends, big sisters. So like you included, um, I just always had a, a connection with just the more mature crowd. I didn't really relate to people my age. And I think it's benefited me in so many ways because it was like, this is what can happen in four years. This is what can happen in five years. But also I got to experience so much life and fun and partying at like a young age. So when it was time and I was of age to do so many things, I'm like, Psh, I just want to work. I just want to hustle because it, it got old. It got old so fast mm -hmm. for me. But yeah, just association of who was nearby, good or bad example, I tried to make the best lessons out of it from their experience yeah. so I didn't have to learn the hard way speaking of the hard way have you ever had to learn the hard way like have, is there anything that you ever got in trouble for that you were like damn oh yes hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent my parents will tell you I was not an easy teenager at all like I was never the kid that was like smoking or drinking but I was very fast like I I'm definitely beyond my years. And like I said, this is not different from younger Naya to now. Because now I'm like mentally, I'm like 42, you know, gone through all this life. But no, I there's so many things. Um, my mouth always got me in trouble. I have the most, I don't even know the best word to put it, but my curiosity about everything can sometimes get me in trouble. And like I said, been like that since I was a little girl. Um, what is one story that I could share that is hilarious? I mean, yeah, I guess my phone would get me in trouble. And that was like where all the answers were. So like one time my dad took away my phone. This is how mischievous little Shania was. He took my phone one day, he, or he asked me a question. My mom is such a federal. She saw everything. And when I was all the way in L.A. and she was in the Bay, she saw a picture of me. I was somewhere I shouldn't have been. I don't remember if it was like the club. It was somewhere someone under 21 shouldn't be. And my dad was like, so where were you guys? Who were you with? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he was like, Shania, you know what? Just give me your phone. I'll find out. He took my phone. He brought it in the other room. And I went on my laptop, went to iCloud, and erased the whole phone. And I'm like, oh, my God. And he was like, how? I was just going through it. And then all of a sudden, I was like, hi, set up your new iPhone. So then after oh God, that, <laughs> <laughs> so after that, I would get my phone and my computer taken away. Oh my! You want to hear actually a funny story? After that happened, I was like, okay, let me think ahead just in case I'm going to get my phone taken away again. Because I was only a sophomore in high school. So I only person's number I knew by heart besides like my parents and my grandma was Kara's because she is little sister. <laughs> so I was like, look, I'm going to make my password your name. So if I call you on the house phone, erase my whole phone. So literally for so many years, probably up until I got the new iPhone this year, my iCloud password was Kara's name. <laughs> and I don't even think she knows that just in case she was going to get that call like yo delete my phone somebody got it <laughs> you guys are so dumb but she so had my back <laughs> she was a ride or die she had my back but then after that my dad was like you know what I don't even want to know for you to be thinking this far ahead you got it 
Oh, my God. Well, you know, it speaks to a certain level of ingenuity and, like, (laughs) old soulness that I always knew you had. And it's really funny, too, to hear it from the other side because my sister is a steel trap. Like, if she doesn't want to tell you something, she's not going to tell you something. Mm-hmm. She's, she's your your person. I like, she is not giving the feds no information. If, she has the best poker face. If you needed to hide a body, <laughs> yeah. Like, sometimes I am scared of my own little sister because I'm like, what is going on in your head? Like, what secrets are you? She's <laughs> a ride or die for real. Shout she out really my is. girl, Cara. I love her to death still. Distance the couldn't most, make a difference. The most loyal. Okay. So we kind of touched on there wasn't a time, at least in my memory, where you had a big sense of like what you wanted to do. And your dad was in the music industry. But I remember asking you, like, do you think that's something you want to do? And I remember my mom would ask you, too, because she's just as nosy as I am. <laughs> your mom and you were like, is everything. I just don't know. <laughs> yes, yeah, she is. Love her. Tell me a little bit, like fill in the gaps for me. You started at Incredible in 2016. Like, were you just kind of trying things to like figure out where you wanted to be? Like, I know you've always been super personable, but at what point were you like, this is where I'm going to kind of put my foot down and start walking in a direction? Okay, so it's a funny story. A lot of people assume because my dad works in the music industry, like he's helped me. It's actually was the opposite for a really long time. If there was one rule that my dad had with us picking a career, it was no music industry. He was like, this is the shadiest industry. It is second to the dope game. (laughs) You cannot be a part of it. And honestly, he was like, just go to school and I'll take care of you for the rest of your life. Just like you take care of me the first 18 years. Or no, he's like, I'll take care of you the first 18 years. You take care of me the next 18 years and I'll support your whole life financially. But I've had a job since I was 14. And then when I was like really able to work, I had like three jobs in high school. Like I've always loved working and being able to sustain this delusional life sometimes I live. <laughs> it's not delusional. I mean, I That's can how you manifest. You really, <laughs> you really are. <laughs> But keep going. I don't want to tell your story. You tell your story. (laughs) So he was always like, I don't want to say working against me, but that's how it felt. Because he was like, didn't I say Mm -hmm. you can't work in the music industry? But I was, like I said, his friends were my friends too. Um, But when I started off at Incredible, it was actually, I'm wearing the Incredible headphones. It was for Mm -hmm. this commercial, (laughs) well, for Flips, the first headphones that Nick had, or one of the first headphones he had launched. And just like this job has been like a lot of the uh, like the other ones and it was been we just need extra hands can your daughter come or Shania is right here perfect like we trust her and I would say a lot of the jobs that I've gotten in the industry has mainly been because of the trust that I have with people and just being reliable but that's how it was for a really long time I never really saw myself in music ever and the jobs that have come to me has chosen me like I'll I'll joke and I'll say that like the music industry has always picked me and just like how I've grown to work for like incredible and being an A&R was literally just like being a part of conversations and just voicing my opinion and I am someone that's not super easily impressed so if I say like I love something they would pay attention and then there would be like Mm -hmm. so many artists I would be like oh Nick get on this get on this or tell my dad to get on it and then they wouldn't and then they would see them blow like I remember one of the first ones was like Tori Kelly I had saw one of her um YouTube covers and I had talked about her and everyone slept on her and then all of a sudden like you know she had (laughs) blown up and then like working with Kehlani and all that stuff but just like that experience has been a lot of my my situations in the industry like even when I first started working for Republic Records I mm-hmm. didn't have any interest really working in TV and film till the opportunity presented itself and it, it was so cool and I feel like that was when the opportunity came and it was mainly because of my connections negotiation skills and I had little experience in film and tv and soundtracks and I've always had a love for music and that's what really keeps the motor going 
But mm-hmm. that was right before I got that job was really when I was like, okay, I'm an A&R. I'm going to really search for talent. I'm going to do more than just my job. I'm going to give it my all. And then it was like such a short time period where, okay, cool. The next opportunity is here and you are going to the next 20 levels. So I Mm -hmm. felt really grateful that my mindset had shifted before that opportunity came because it felt like, okay, preparation for what's next. And that's why like you really, you have to stay ready. You have to stay prepared because Mm -hmm. when the opportunities come, it's like get in or get left behind. So you started out like basically on the ground floor, like production assistant is, you know, it's a great job, but like for anybody that's in film or entertainment, like they know, like that's where you get in because it's the lowest tier to like start building your way up in the industry. You've also always been an incredibly confident person. And I know you say your mouth gets you in trouble, but I think it's actually you, you know, for all the times that your mouth may have gotten you into trouble, Shania, you have like figured out a way to talk to people. So what do you think, like when you were starting out at Incredible and you started to just, I mean, you I can see you so clearly just like being yourself like, oh, you need to check this out. Take a look at this. Like what gave you the confidence to be able to do that with like Nick Cannon or like, you know, the people that you are working around? Because that's probably what started to get you noticed is like you just kept speaking up. So how do you convince yourself to like keep going in that direction? Like, you know, what's interesting, Um, incredible is such a family environment That is, this is probably the one and only place where I kind of think before I speak more than anywhere else. Maybe because like I have so much respect for Nick and my dad and just even being around Nick, like my ultimate dream when I was little was to have my own talk show and he is the most phenomenal host. So it was really just me like learning and I'm like, he's the boss, like he knows best. And I never want to like say anything to take the wrong way. And then it's like my dad, he's like, if you know my dad, you know how my dad is. So that's when I probably listen the most. And then behind closed doors, I'm like, okay, you guys really need to do this. But everywhere else, oh, I don't care. I'm like, excuse me, this is what we're supposed to do. It's a different, it's just a different relationship. But it's just funny because you would think because they're family, you would feel more comfortable to like speak up all the time. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't just like 250%, something that I knew was going to move them to the next level or something I fully believed in, I would listen for the most part and just do what I was told. And I always looked at like the music industry and what I saw for myself just helping the family. And I even took that responsibility Mm -hmm. when I got to Republic. I'm like, okay, Nick created a way for even opportunities like this to come. I just want to put them on. Like my love and passion for music is definitely the art of it, but it is such a, it is really such a shady industry and business. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to argue. I don't want to bring this stress home. I don't want to lose sleep chasing after just the titles and the rules or the Grammys. It's really like, I just want to be happy and create super dope art and honestly Mm -hmm. put on as many people as I can and just change people's lives. I love that so much. It seems very authentic to you. And you talk about this in a way that seems so casual, but what I really hear is that you have really started from a young age you taught yourself when to speak up and when to listen and learn and I think that's really important because you've given yourself a lot of opportunities to learn and listen from people that you really admire and then you know the right moments to speak up when you know that your voice is going to be a contributing factor to really level up I think that's something that you know, not a lot of people know how to do naturally. And it sounds like it's something that you've worked on quite a bit over the years, like as you've developed your career. But one of the things that Asha and I have talked about just even amongst ourselves is like the art of listening is something that's really difficult to master. People don't know how to like ask a question, but then really mindfully listen to the answer. You know, it's so great to, to hear you talk about this and how it's really worked in your favor in action. So how did the opportunity to move to A&R arise? Like, how did you make the jump from PA to there? Okay, so the PA job, it was just, 
kind of like a one-time job, honestly. And then I, I went about my three jobs and was just like peeking in, in and out of incredible. And then, like I said, with the conversations of like, you guys should do this, or they would play me a song and I would give my opinion. Nick one day was just like, you're an A&R now. And I was like, what does A&R stand for? <laughs> but yeah, it was just, I guess, having good taste and knowing a lot of people. Because at the time, I was really focusing on TV and media personality, hosting events, just being like a socialite, mm -hmm. being myself as far as it could take me. Um, but it always just kept pushing towards either like fashion and then more of the music industry. So as I was bringing in new talent, knowing the right producers and songwriters, Nick was like, let's just make it official really put you on payroll. And then, like I said, it wasn't too long before I went to the next level. But yeah, it was just, this is your job now because you've been doing it anyway. <laughs> just kept speaking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I'm so See, grateful your mouth for. mouth is not getting you into <laughs> trouble. It's opening up opportunities for you because people want to hear what you have to say. I'm really interested because, you know, in the past and certainly like, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, you would hear, you know, from anybody even near the music or film industry and, you know, anyone outside of that, especially as social media started to like grow and develop and the curtains were kind of drawn back that like a lot of these industries are really male dominated. And one of the very cool things that's happened in the last like 10 years, I would say, is that a lot of female artists have really emerged in their own right. Like when I was a teenager, Billie Eilish like just didn't exist. I mean, maybe Avril Lavigne was like the first version of that where you had a female artist coming out who wasn't like being overly sexualized, who wanted to just make great music and do it their way. And I think Avril Lavigne, I mean, not everyone's like a punk rock fan, but she got a lot of flack for that and got made fun of. And like, you know, the people who weren't her fans had a lot to say. I feel like now it's a little bit different because I feel like more female artists have emerged and have just done things like in this really creative, like in all these different creative, cool ways. And um, what I love out of this and out of your story is that you're like on the other side of this. You're behind the scenes. You're the one like, you know, keeping an ear out for the talent, for the music. Do you still think or feel like the industry is really male dominated or that it's really been difficult as a female to try and work your way up? Or has that like, have you leveraged that to your advantage? That's a really good question. <sighs> Luckily, and I'm so eternally grateful for this, I have been blessed to start with family because being a woman in the music industry, especially being an A&R, it's challenging because most of the time I'm the only woman in the studio. And that's why I was even so excited to just start transitioning to TV and film because I'm like, cool, I don't have to be in the studio. I could just like put the right players together and stick more behind the scenes. That's what I really, really enjoyed. The music industry is definitely, though, evolving and more women are becoming just power players and reaching higher positions. And I think men are seeing that, like, we're the secret weapon to this. But yeah, I definitely feel that women are starting to take over in the music industry. Or I don't want to say take over, but we are, our voices are being heard. We are making our, our print in the industry. But yeah, I have I have been in some situations, of course, but if you know my dad, you don't really play with me. So <laughs> like I've been definitely blessed with that because it's like if you're going to try it, it's like a death wish. So I'm like, OK, no, you have the benefit of having like your own <laughs> personal bodyguard. Yeah, exactly. And that's what was cool coming into the industry. But that's what was also a really big risk. Because with that, mm -hmm. having that kind of responsibility to protect my dad as much as he protects me is like, you know, I have to be careful the situations I put myself in. I have to be careful the conversations I'm having or just because it could put my dad potentially at risk to lose everything he has going on. So mm -hmm. that but he definitely played a, a part to my safety in the industry. That makes sense. <laughs> 
It makes me chuckle and well chuckle. Your dad's name is your dad's <laughs> hey, no name pun is intended. Chuck, so it's yeah. kind of funny. Yeah, so no <laughs> pun intended, but that does make me chuckle. I really like how, you know, throughout all of this, a major theme has been family for you. You've, you know, started out with the big sister theme, taking care of your brother, like honing that into like a, a really strong leadership quality. But then even as you've grown further into the industry, just leveraging the way you think about family into your relationships. It's almost like you take this confidence that you have, the big sister confidence and the confidence of being somebody that knows how to take care of somebody else into your role. And that's been really huge for you because obviously you're not related to everybody in the music industry, but you get to work with really big players. And I imagine that, you know, you're doing it in a way that's very authentic to Shania, where you're talking to everybody the same way you're talking to me. I've known you a decade, you know? Would you say that's true? Oh, 500%. (laughs) It's crazy because that's one thing I feel that people have always told me the opposite. Like going into the industry or not even growing up, my dad gave me the book 48 Laws of Power. And he was like, read this Mm -hmm. with caution. Um, I'm giving you this book because I want you to know the world that you are entering. Please don't read everything that's in it and apply it. But just know this is what people are capable of. And the first rule was never outshine the master. And he reminds me of that lesson every month. (laughs) But because he's like, you have such a big personality. You your mouth is going to get you in trouble. I have been told that a million and ten times. And as much as I do want to be careful, I, there's something in me that like can't help it. Like it will it just will come out. It will come out on my face, even if it doesn't come out of my mouth. <laughs> but being told don't be yourself, know when to like water it down, know when to like put it on pause. I was hard on myself about, I'm like, dang, why can't I, you know, dim my light a little bit? Why can't I just be quiet? Why can't I just always just listen and not respond? But when I feel something so passionately, it will haunt me if I don't say anything. I I mean, I really haven't experienced me not saying anything because it'll just come out and my mouth has gotten me in trouble or for what I thought at the time was trouble like wow my presence and just like my energy and how I carry myself can be intimidating to people above me and like you know there there is a time where like I had lost my job because of that my dad was like it's your fault rule number one you didn't do it (laughs) and it's funny because to see how life played out now I am so proud and happy that I stay true to myself because now in the position that I'm in, they're going to be like, we always knew Shania had it in her and look at all Mm -hmm. the things she accomplished then because like, I really feel that my biggest regret, if I would have listened to everybody else, especially like my dad, the man I respect and trust with all of me, it would have looked like, damn, Shania was capable of all this and she just stayed quiet and kept her head down? Because I tried that way. I did try that way. I I misspoke. I did try that way maybe about like a couple weeks. I would go into the office, have my head down. I would wear clothes that I didn't want to wear because I'm like, I don't want to, you know, be the fashion girl. I don't want any attention. I just want to be recognized for my work because I want longevity here. Um, And then, yeah, no. It just felt so unfamiliar to me. And you could tell that, like, it's like my favorite comparison. It's like the sun. The sun rises and it sets. But it doesn't, like, hide or turn itself off because it's raining. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's it's either out or it's asleep. So that's how I try to look at myself. Like, just be you fully because you have the least amount of regrets in the end. What job did you get fired from? Now here we're going into it. <laughs> so I didn't get fired if we're, anybody there yeah. is listening. But Republic <laughs> Records, I got let go. And I got oh, let go oh. when I felt like most just, I felt like when I was doing my best, I was getting records from The Weeknd and Justin Bieber, just like huge artists. And I'm like, oh, I'm good. No, that reality check can be really quick. Like, you mm-hmm. could be feeling on top of the world one minute and gone the next. And that is the 
real of the music industry. And a big part of it was me being myself, just, you know, not listening to the 48 Laws of Power. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's amazing looking at you and seeing you smile and laugh about it and, you know, acknowledge that there are certain parts of each industry that are just really tough. When that happened, what was like your next move? It's so crazy. And thank you for acknowledging like the smiles and laughs because I was like, oh, the world is over. But yes and no, because how I felt when I experienced it, it was hard. I think that, well, I learned that people go into shock when they get let go, like laid off or um, fired from a job. It's natural. It literally happens to everybody. And that made me feel a little better. But just like what I was saying in the beginning of this interview was I put so much pressure on myself. So I was just really, really Mm -hmm. hard. But literally the next day I got offered to run a production company and that was like my dream. So it really felt like just alignment. And at the time Mm -hmm. it was a job to stay positive, to keep looking forward. And now to see how, you know, the cards played, I couldn't be more thankful to get laid off when I did. Cause it was like, wow, I felt that corporate can hold you back in a way because there are so many rules. There are so many just boundaries and systems of how it's structured that I I am not a a nine to five girl. I really did enjoy it, but I have to be able to travel and let my creative juices flow. So to, to trust the process, to have all faith in God, that's what really helped me get to the next steps. Because like I was saying, like a production company was another one of my dreams. And for me to ask, to be asked to run it, I was like, well, this is a really big responsibility. But now I'm like in collaboration with them and working on feature films now um, and working with like script writers. And it's an amazing experience. But like the key is really trust yourself and trust God. He will never disappoint. I love that you've stayed open to all of these new opportunities. Was there ever a moment where you were approached with something like this big opportunity where you questioned yourself or you thought like, can I do it? Or, you know, had moments of fear? And if so, how did you get through that? Another good question. Kashia, I just love you. This is such a a great interview. Um, (laughs) Can you imagine guess, what it's like being married to me? <laughs> yeah, I know. He's the luckiest guy ever. <laughs> no, but I mean, we, that's where we're similar. Like, I'm curious about everything. I love learning and growing. Like, my mm-hmm. goal every day is to be better than yesterday. But, yeah, I guess I, as confident as I am, I don't want to let anybody down. I guess the most recent experience would be the becoming the sorry, the director of TV and film at Republic Records. That was probably the most I felt like, are you sure you could do this? Because also at the time, like they were interviewing so many people who have had like over 10 years of experience, has been labeled a label, has worked on all these productions. But as soon as I pulled up to like the meeting that I had there, it, it felt so comfortable of like, oh, this is home. This is my job. And I had no doubt in my mind that I wasn't going to get it. There was definitely times, and I remember calling my mom, and I was like, what do you think? And she's like, you can't do it. And mind you, this is how a lot of the calls with my mom goes. Like, she she's the first to be like, uh, I don't know. And then I'll, I'll call someone like my aunt, and she's helped me a lot. She was like head illegal at Facebook and the meta world. She's a very successful bossy woman. So I really go to her for a lot of my, a lot of my just advice and just information that I need. And she was like, this is your job. You're going to get it. And you are going to become the most focused and disciplined person because I believe in you, but you definitely have to 
to buckle down and do your homework. Anything you don't know, you're going to learn and you are going to treat this almost like a school. And that's what I did. I tried to learn everything I could about TV and film and soundtrack. So whenever I don't feel as confident or I want to find a better word for that, because I don't feel that my confidence gets tested. It's more of like the experience that messes with the confidence. So, mm -hmm. but I'll, I'll work harder than anybody. I will dedicate the time and the hours to make sure that like, yeah, I might be the youngest in the room, but like I spent all these hours learning and studying. So hopefully just the time that you think you have over me, I've spent behind closed doors. I love the tenacity there's a contrariness to you that I don't know if you've ever really acknowledged because you are very, very confident, but the Naya that I know from little Naya to now, and it doesn't sound like anything's changed, <laughs> if somebody tells you you can't or should not do something, what's the first thing you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're shaking your head. Yes, you're like, it's like a moth to a flame. <laughs> so I, I it sounds like a lot of that has really fueled you and your your parents are very funny because just knowing you growing up I, I know you've talked about how in a lot of ways they have these very very different strengths and it's so funny to hear you verbalize how you know your dad is very stoic and he's that person that encourages you but tells you like don't get into the music industry your mom's like the soft and maternal one, but she's like, you can't do that. And so yeah, it's like, like you ain't embarrassing us. <laughs> yeah. Like you've made it your mission to really prove yourself, you know, prove to yourself that you can do it, but also just prove all of these things wrong in a way. And I think that there's something really cool about that. You know, it's, it's clearly brought you very far. One of the things that Asha and I, um, one of our tenets at Bridget is this development of confidence. And in our early days of Bridget, we broke down the actual meaning of the word confidence coming from Latin root words that mean with trust, with trust in yourself. And you really do exude that trust in yourself to figure things out, even when, you know, there's a little bit of doubt as to, you know, do I know this or do I not? It seems that part of your hidden inner strength is really trusting that you can go through the process. So if you don't know something, that's not like the be all to end all. It's like, okay, if I don't know something, I still belong in this room, but I'm going to do the work to make sure I belong in the room. There's like no pretense about it. It's very authentic. It's something that's like so undeniably you. I'm like so happy to see and hear you share this with our listeners, this very, you know, childlike foundational part of yourself that you just refuse to let go of for sure I mean honestly what you said like you you hit it on the nail if somebody tells me okay the fastest way to get me to do anything <laughs> is to tell me I can't and when it comes to like music and entertainment and people that work with me know if you tell me no which I I'm not good with no that is a foreign word if you tell me no, I will find somebody else who could do it in half the time I gave you. And this is like 10 out of 10. I will. Like, please. That is my only petty quality. <laughs> um, but yeah, the self-trust has definitely been something that has been my, my biggest comfort and greatest quality. But I will say after a relationship that I was in, it was like the most shakiest. I have never been more indecisive than I was like over the course of two years, which was extremely challenging to like, I was aware of it, but to overcome. And then that was even harder. And then the pressure I put on myself, cause it's like, you're aware of what's causing it, why it's happening and how much it's, hurt you and prolong things but it, it's hard to shake it so the self-trust yeah it, it's helped me in so many ways and was my greatest strength but then once it was like shaky I experienced anxiety and depression and it 
I'm grateful for it though, because now I I know what that feels like. And I'm so much more patient and kind to other people. And it's like, you know me personally, and I'm like the biggest sweetheart, the biggest lover, so affectionate. But I'm grateful to know that I could even become more softer than what I already was and how much, how judgmental I really was unaware of. Because now experience things like not fully trusting myself after years and years, my whole life of trusting myself and speaking up what that's like to not have that self-trust and what majority of people go through when they, they feel anxious and when they're depressed, like to even pull yourself out of bed and get ready, like th that is an achievement because those days when it's hard, oh my gosh, I've never felt nothing like that. And to like, you know, the days I didn't know I was gonna be able to to do it, it was so unfamiliar. I I tried to be a lot more gentle with other people now experiencing that. I love that. I mean, it is. It's There's so much truth to that. I always say, like, there are always good and bad days ahead. Like, even when I was pregnant with my son, like, um, I had gone through a couple miscarriages before him. And I remember, like, having to tell myself, like, yeah, there were really, really, really hard days. But, like, now we have to focus on the really good days and, like, also give ourselves the grace to enjoy those. Because, there is going to be another bad day on the horizon. And there have definitely been bad days since my son was born. Not related to him sometimes, but not usually related to him. You know, they just, things just happen. I think that's part of life. And so I think it's really key to just try to keep remembering, you know, when times are hard, like you pull yourself up if you can and be gracious with yourself. Like you said, like good on you for getting out of bed. And then also, you know, the way that you translate that into how you've developed relationships with other people and how you take that empathy, not just from yourself, but into your relationships with other people is really beautiful. I want to quickly touch on your entrepreneurial side, this side where you've, you know, founded and developed your fashion line, your swimwear line, Kelly Swim. Can you tell us a little bit about how that fits into your timeline with the music industry and also, you know, what you're doing with that now? So Kelly Swim is fashion's always been my first love. Like if you could ask me when I was like four or five years old, what did I want to be when I grow up and what did I see for my life? I would say like, oh, I'm going to be a fashion designer in Paris, like living my best life. So during or right before the pandemic, I launched Kelly Swim. And then when the pandemic was happening, I wanted to put all my focus into that. And it all started with just wanting to help people. In high school, I had a friend that had Crohn's disease. And I thought it was so sad that she couldn't go swimming because, I mean, you know, we are water babies. Like just even being like as a Scorpio, but back, a lot of people don't know this about me. My first job, I was a lifeguard and swim instructor. So literally. I forgot that. <laughs> As much as I could be in the water, I wanted to be. So to know that like someone that I care about couldn't even experience that with me was so sad. So how it started was I wanted to create swimsuits for people with Crohn's disease. And then I realized like you got to go through all this stuff. Damn near be a scientist to get that done and to avoid lawsuits. I was like, you know what? Let me just start from the basics. I'm going to start with wholesale. Um, and so that's what I did for the first couple of years. And now to be able to create my own designs and bring it to life is just like the love for music that I have to create something from the ground up. But what's changed is my spiritual side is at all-time high. And that happened during the pandemic. I really wanted to create something to empower women empower people because the men's line is dropping soon. Um, so now each swimsuit comes with affirmation and intention oil because I want anyone in my swimsuits to feel as confident as I feel. And it truly starts from the inside out. Um, and then I'm like working on a lot of cool cover-ups too because being in the music industry, I was like, I am not posting no bikini pics no more. I do not <laughs> want to get any jobs because of how I look. So I want to really create this beautiful cover-up line, or I am creating. 
this cover-up line for all the bossy women too that you know go on vacation but still want to post something and yeah but it's been so much fun creating I have to send you everything the whole collection you're gonna love it please do please do I know I remember when you started your venture into creating designs and everything it was just it's been really fun to see you grow you know from the ground up to like picking your designs, picking your colors and your fabrics, and then now really taking it one step further from that wholesale and making it your own. What was the biggest challenge when working with materials and like starting a a line, you know, while, especially while you're in the midst of building your career on the music side? I definitely took a break because it was really hard to juggle, but the hardest part was just having a million and one things to do with so much on your plate and not being 100% focused and organized, you forget the little things. And like my manufacturer's all the way downtown. So it's like, I drop off everything. I drop off my patterns, the fabric, the thread, the labels. And then I realize like, oh, I forgot the tags or just this one thing at home and just to go back and do that. But I really learned to love the process because being as accountable as I am, there's there's no one to blame. So it's just like, just get better, get more organized, write out a list, take note of everything. And because the challenge of having two full plates, I'm like, okay, separate the sides. Don't have any of your foods touching. So I guess really the biggest challenge in short is just not having too much to do and not being as organized as I should be. Because I do believe I could do it all. You just have to ask for help when you need it. Now I have a team who helps me with my social media and lets me focus on like my strong suits of just designing and coordinating all the pretty shoots and stuff. But yeah, just organization and using your voice to really ask for help. Because for a long time, I'm like, I don't need help. I'm independent. I got this. Yeah, I think um, it's a really important lesson to learn because... I don't know at what point it was ingrained in all of us. And I I think Asha can also relate. It's like when you are interested in doing everything and you're willing to do the work, there's almost like this, it almost becomes like a roadblock because you're like trying to do everything on your own because you know that you can, but time is finite. And so there's a certain point in time where you have to just acknowledge like, it's not that I can't do it all. It's just not the efficient way to do it. Right. And why not focus on my strengths and why not leverage like these really great partnerships and let somebody else shine in that way? So that's sure. very cool to hear you hear you say. I'm also just kind of laughing because this also just brings me back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, hearing a much younger you say like, because <laughs> I've always been organized, but I feel very similar to what you're saying is like you know the more you take on the crazier everything gets but I think because I was older you probably thought oh you're really really organized and I literally remember you being like I don't know how you do that because I can't concentrate on one thing (laughs) (laughs) not much has changed (laughs) but no but it has it has I I look at you now and I see this whole you know these breadcrumbs on the the way to who you are right now and there's a lot that hasn't changed and there's a lot that's really been strengthened and honed to create this self that is really confident really well put together and still just as creative in all the right ways and just as outspoken you know that big mouth of yours is (laughs) not getting you into trouble (laughs) it's really really been a big part of your journey and your creative side has really been a big part of your journey and it's very fun to see you actually do it all I really want to keep talking to you for forever. And, um, <laughs> you know, I have the benefit of knowing and loving you personally. So I'm sure this is not the last conversation we're going to be having like this. But at the end of each one of our interviews, we do a little fun fast five where we ask just like five silly questions, quick answers. And then we end with something a little bit more like heartfelt. So if you're ready, we can go into it. Let's do it. Okay, number one, favorite way to start the day. My favorite way to start the day is I spray my face with rose water and I just like think about all the things I'm grateful for. And when that's the way my bed is set up, like the window that comes in, 
as long as the sun is shining and hitting on me, I'm like, okay, it's going to be a good day. But those gloomy days, I'm like, Bye. some self-care, some rose water and prayer. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like that. I might start putting like essential oil or something next to my bed. It's the best way to wake up. Number two, most annoying thing that Trey does. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just what? <laughs> I just needed to throw it in there because yes. I know you love him so much. I do. <laughs> the most annoyingest thing that Trey does is say no, I guess, because I'm like, I do everything for you. It really brings <laughs> this rage. But I guess the most annoyingest thing that Trey does, he doesn't get excited to do stuff for me. And I know that sounds crazy, but he is someone that I'm like, oh, Tim, jump on my back. I got you. Whatever you need, I'm there. But yeah, I guess just stay silent and his lack of like social skills, He's, I guess. Him and David are really similar in that way because I'm like, I think Kara and I are both always like, come on, David, let's do this. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, just like, like one day of I invited. Yeah. I invite, and I know my brother loves me to death, but I invited him to dinner once and he's like, yeah, I'll be over. And I called him at dinner time and I'm like, hey, when are you going to be here? And he's like, oh, I totally forgot. I'm literally having dinner with my friends right now. And I'm like, David, are you serious? And we're so heartbroken and disappointed. It's so yes. funny. Like me and Trey are complete polar opposites. Like he mm -hmm. acts like each word is like a dollar. Like, he will always say less than necessary. And then you meet me, and I'm like, oh, I got a billion dollars. Let's go. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I guess his okay. lack of interest, for sure, <laughs> it drives me nuts. Yeah. That's so funny. I'm glad I asked that question. Okay, number three, best piece of advice you've ever received. Yeah, just don't dim your light. Just be you. For sure. I didn't I realize that. how impactful and how much I would really carry that because it sounds super cliche. But if you trust yourself and believe in yourself and just really find that inner voice, you're going to reach heights other people couldn't. Mm -hmm. Number four, what is a mantra that you use for hard times? I really just speak love into myself so anything that has to do with love like I'll I'll do a lot of mirror work so just like I love you I am here for you you are everything you have everything you need and you're not alone and then like my biggest like piece of advice with that mantra is to make your screensaver a baby picture of yourself and whenever you want to be hard on yourself or be mean just look at that baby you and then you're like that can't be mean to her and oh then that, that's when I'm like, I love you. I'm here for you. It's okay. I got you. I'm not going to be mean. That, that's like all the, all the mantras Shania, that's that I need. such a good one. I think we need to add that to one of our like group exercises. No, like, seriously. Like bring a baby picture. It's life changing. I love that. Like bring your favorite one because you can't yell. You can't be hard. You can't like say, you can't even have negative thoughts at that point. It's all just yeah. love. And so like any mantras that have to do with love completely raise your frequency. Oh, I love that. Okay, number five, favorite guilty pleasure. Ooh. Oh my goodness, coffee Haagen Dazs ice cream <laughs> <laughs> and a spa day. I will literally fly to yes. Vegas for a good spa day. That's not a guilty pleasure. <laughs> okay, I okay, wouldn't okay. feel guilty about that. <laughs> but yeah, coffee Haagen Dazs because I could eat a whole half a gallon and just be like, well, where's the next one? Where's my next scoop? <laughs> but yeah, that's definitely my guilty pleasure. I love it. Okay. This is a question we end every interview with. What was one quality you had as a young woman or little girl that you didn't take pride in then, but you look back at now and you really appreciate? I mean, it's been the theme of the whole episode. It's use your voice. And for all the people that think that I talk a lot, just sit back and trust the process because I will blow your mind. So, yeah, I guess just <laughs> seriously, <laughs> though. <laughs> but it's definitely that talking too much. I didn't realize how much I'm releasing and I'm just doors I'm opening by using my voice and being myself. So, yeah, just using your voice and staying true to yourself. I, those qualities from when I was a little girl has been my strength to for now. I love it so much. Well, before we go, where can our listeners find you? What are you up to now? Where can we share you? 
Okay, so I'm gonna let you guys in on a little secret. Really nobody knows and I'm so excited to share it with you first, but I will be launching a podcast in November. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, so it is coming soon. Um, but yeah, you could follow me on Instagram um, for, I guess for more updates and I'm gonna be doing the whole thing. So like launching episodes on YouTube. So also branding my YouTube channel. And then the swim line is my first baby. So please shop Kelly Swim for all your your goodies and your just positive affirmations and oils, all pretty things. But yeah, I was really excited to share that with you and I can't wait to have you on there. I'm so excited. Well, I can't wait to talk off record about this <laughs> and hear all about it. But thank you so much for spending your evening with us. I'm really excited to share you with our listeners. I think, you know, your outlook on life and the way that you are just so authentically yourself. It's just beautiful. And, you know, I can't wait for the world to see what you do next. Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure for me to be here. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been an amazing experience. And that's our show. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe to, follow, and share Meet Bridget with your circle. The best way to help our work here is to rate and review our podcast. We're listening and constantly working to build something helpful for you. Catch you next time. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to awesome music and then just sit around and soak up each other's awesome?